This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Atlanta. defined by grace, grace, grace community, community, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Good morning, Icon. At this point in our journey through the book of John, Jesus's disciples are still looking for hope, for reassurances, and for greater understanding. And we are right there with them. Jesus has been giving them and us some valuable truths to hang on to in the midst of struggles in this particular passage. Jesus has been adding layer upon layer of richness in terms of what it is that we can ground ourselves in, in ways that is very rooted in his identity as God. And last week, Pastor Daryl kind of unfolded for us this peace that he offers. And part of how Jesus explained that was with his connection to the Father and the Holy Spirit. This connection, Jesus with the Father and the Holy Spirit, is something that is really difficult for us to understand with our human capacity. And what Jesus moves on to next in today's passage is another truth that is challenging to grasp. But Jesus is a really great teacher and he uses this metaphor today of a vine to help explain what it is he means. This metaphor of a vine would not have felt like it came out of left field for them. The vineyard, the vine metaphor was something that was very common in the Old Testament with its symbolism. Additionally, some scholars believe that this conversation, this part of it today happened while Jesus and his disciples were on the move to Gethsemane. Right before this conversation, at the end of chapter 14 from last week, Jesus basically says, hey, let's go. So if they're walking, if they're moving from the upper room to the garden of Gethsemane, then they're walking to the Mount of Olives. There would have been vines, vineyards, all around them because of what we know is present in the world. I love this possibility, this image of Jesus saying, let's go. And as they walk and he's thinking about what he needs to explain to them next, he sees these vines and he thinks, this is perfect. This might help this deep truth make some sense. So it is with that today that together we will read John chapter 15 verses one through eight. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. So Jesus starts this portion of the conversation with, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. I am the vine. You are the branches. So the gardener, the father, is the one who tends the plants, is responsible for overseeing, caring for the garden. He's responsible for making sure that those plants grow and flourish no matter what the elements are, no matter what harm may come. And here, interestingly enough, you know, Jesus places himself as one who is also being tended by the father, by the gardener. Because remember what the father has laid out for him to do, he is currently in the midst of going through. At this very moment in the conversation, Jesus is walking toward his death because of his obedience to the father. My father is the master, I am the recipient. Now a vine needs a great deal of attention for the best fruit to be produced. The ground has to be very clean. It needs to be trained to grow up along trellises or sticks or walls. It grows luxuriantly. Young vines are often not allowed to produce fruit for the first three years, and they're drastically cut back to conserve its developing life and energy. So the branches are pruned back in order to eventually produce more life. This word for prune in the Greek is also this word meaning to cleanse or to purge. So this isn't this gentle little snip or trimming back. So in terms of us, as branches being pruned, this isn't a suggestion. This isn't a light tap on the wrist. This isn't a, yeah, try not to do that so much, but I'll allow for it. If we claim to be Christ, and if there is true life-giving connection, The cutting out of sin is needed for that life connection to be authentic and to flourish and to eventually produce fruit. Now, our Savior, we know, has a lot of understanding for our grace and for our failings and our struggles. But we must not mistake his grace for our failings and our struggles as a tolerance for sin specifically sinful patterns in our lives that we want to ignore or excuse away or sins that we really have no desire to repent of or having a heart posture towards sin where we have opted to act like certain things are not that big of a deal. Sin is a big deal. Sin is what has broken this perfect relationship that we were created to have with God, with each other, and with our earth. Sin is why we are so often operating outside of God's good created design for us. Sin is why we are exhausted. It's why the news is overwhelming. It's why we're frustrated. It's why we just want to curl into a ball some days and call it. Sin is why there is rage instead of peace and selfishness instead of compassion and violence instead of harmony. It's why there's oppression instead of flourishing and sadness instead of joy. So when Jesus here is talking of God taking away branches that don't bear fruit, God pruning the branches, God gathering them and throwing them into the fire, we have to remember that he, as the definition of holiness and purity and goodness, in him doing this, he is in effect watching over and cultivating the body of Christ in this world so that what is reflected in us 
is peace and compassion and harmony and flourishing and joy instead of the things that he's cutting out, rage, selfishness, violence, oppression, sadness. So this pruning and this purging, when he's taking those things out, it's not a little snip. It's going to feel like an assault to the branch because sin is an assault upon God. And for us as his image bearers, we have to remember that sin is an assault upon us. What makes it tricky, though, is that we end up having an affection for it. We end up fueling it, nursing it, and hiding it. All the while, it is destroying us. Only God can get that out. So if sin is an assault upon us as God's image bearers, and on top of it, we hang on, yeah, you bet it's going to feel like an affront to you when God as the gardener is cutting it out and pruning that back. It will feel at times like a death to self and identity because at times it will be a death to self and identity because pruning is God in effect reshaping, remaking, a cutting out so that new can grow. And God, our God will get all up in our business in order to do that, whether it be a nagging conviction in your heart, or you having a community that is not letting you get away with things, or it may be when difficulties come into your life, they reveal very clearly what you are going to in order to cope, to ease the pain, and to escape. It may at times be some sort of a loss that makes you end up seeing very clearly what it is that you actually have been idolizing or letting shape who you are. Pruning may feel like loss, instability, pain, discomfort, embarrassment. Because pruning requires a facing of our sin. He, our God, as the gardener, is cleansing and purging in you what is of death that is influencing how you function so that instead what comes from you is life. How kind of our Father. How kind of him to make us face and deal with the effects of our sin. Even at times, it's going to feel like punishment and judgment first. But we have to remember that our God thinks bigger, he sees bigger, and he knows that through this process, that what might be feeling like death to us at times, life comes from that from this pruning process, his work upon our hearts. And we have to remember that even through the painful part of this process, that his pruning comes from love and it comes from a desire for us to be made whole. So moving on in our passage, verse four, he says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Fruit comes from the careful and intentional tending and pruning from the gardener. 
And the branch bears fruit because it has this unbreakable and constant strong connection with the vine, the source. So a branch cannot and won't bear fruit if it is broken off, if the vine is unhealthy or weak, or if it isn't able to or stops pulling nutrients from the source. The one proper use of the branch is that it would bear fruit. And so if it is not able to bear fruit, all that can be done with it is that it can be cast out and used as fuel. In verse six, where we have is thrown aside like a branch, it's really this idea of being cast forth, cast out of the garden. And it denotes this very momentary act. The second that that branch stops bearing fruit, the second that somehow this connection with the vine is severed, or maybe it didn't even exist to begin with, it's out. Now the wood of the vine had this very curious characteristic in that it was really good for nothing else. The wood was too soft to really be repurposed into anything useful for them at that time. And at certain times of the year, people would be required to bring offerings of wood to the temple to be burned for sacrifices. And even then, the wood from the vine was not allowed to be brought. All that could be done with it is to make a bonfire and destroy it. So the branch that has no real life connection to the source, that does not draw upon the strength and the identity of the vine, that branch does not produce any life, which means what that branch produces is only of death. And a continued attachment to the vine or an attempt to look like it's still a part of the vine at the end of the day shouldn't fool anyone because a lack of fruit proves that the branch is not truly and rightly connected to the source. So this whole image that he is giving us should first of all, make us examine ourselves, not out of this legalistic posture of, am I producing enough fruits on my checklist so that God approves of me? Thankfully, our God does not operate that way. But rather, this should make us look at ourselves and think, am I drawing my identity, my motivations, and my purpose from my source, Jesus? Are my words and my actions and my intentions coming from and being shaped by Jesus? Where are there spaces where it is still kind of all about me or all about this person or all about this plan or this goal or this ideal? And we don't get hung up on this out of a desire to perform faith, but we really should be honest with ourselves, examine, ask the Holy Spirit to help and take it to God. Pay attention to where you should be still bearing fruit, but you're not. And remember, as you're examining and thinking of this, that if you are his, that Jesus has you in a grip stronger than you can have on him. So you find motivation and hope there in a security as you're examining yourself. And so while this should first really make us examine ourselves, this is also something that is really helpful for those who are Jesus's to, with wisdom and discernment, see those who claim to identify with Jesus, but may be false. Because we need to be mindful 
as Christians of what and who is false because destruction comes from that. And we have to be on guard, not just out of this, we have to protect right doctrine, but we have to protect image bearers because who is threatened by the branches that are trying to appear to have status or appear to have an attachment to the vine still, but there's no fruit, death comes from them and image bearers are the ones who pay for that. Jesus mentions this in multiple ways elsewhere. Jesus uses some very non-G-rated phrasing at that time to describe people that claim to be gods, but clearly are not because of how they affect people. Jesus calls them hypocrites, wolves, blind fools, tombs, fit for hell, snakes, murderers. Jesus lights them up at times and he gives us these repeated warnings of pay attention because these are the ones who take people down. These are the branches that get cast out. Those who try to be, appear to be attached to the vine, but the proof is in the fruit or the lack thereof. So church, we have to pay attention to where there is lip service, but no real backup. We have to pay attention to where truth is abandoned when it is inconvenient for a platform. We have to pay attention to where spiritual terms are being used to uphold a belief in something that is clearly against the heart of our God. We have to pay attention to where different brands of church or the gospel end up affecting marginalized and vulnerable people. And we have to play it smart and look for fruit, proof in the fruit, even when claims are made about godliness, even when Bible verses are posted, even when church is attended, even when church leaders endorse. You can hold up a Bible and front of a church and say you think it's a great book, but then you can tear down and destroy other image bearers with your words and your actions. You can have someone attest that you prayed for salvation, but then hold back relief for the suffering. You can sing and even write worship songs that praise the name of Jesus, but then align yourself with power that uses force against those who will not bend to their will. The gardener is never fooled. The branch or the vine is never tricked into still providing nutrients to that branch, and neither should we be fooled. Jesus here is giving us layers of wisdom when he says, producing fruit proves my disciples. So we have to be savvy church and at times find consolation if we need it for our hearts that at the end of the day, the gardener handles what must be done with those branches. True connection with Christ will yield fruit not might yield fruit, it will. And it will yield fruit, we see here, by remaining in him. This is key, this is repeated for us, so this is something we really need to latch onto. This word remain is sometimes abide. It is this idea of continuing, dwelling, being fully present, staying solid and enduring. It is a staying strong in one's resolve. 
It is not just to exist, but to be rooted through adversity and challenge. It is when you are pushed by trials, when tragedy comes into your life, when the world is in this state of spinning chaos that Jesus's grip and hold on you does not loosen. The connection between the vine and the branch, never broken. Even if a tornado whips through, even when fire threatens the garden, even if someone tries to take an ax to it, still it remains. So if Christ is your identity, if you were bought back from death by his blood, if you love him, remaining and abiding in him is not a switch that you flip on and off when you suddenly are going about your day and you remember, oh yeah, Jesus. Remaining and abiding in him is not an action we take as a spiritual discipline. It is who you are. Your identity is that you are someone who remains and abides with Jesus. It is like you have made your home in Christ and he has made his home in you. While this idea that we are to remain in him isn't something we do as a discipline, it is something we should be regularly mindful of. Remembering what you have access to draw upon. Remembering what should be shaping and moving how you think, how you act, and how you speak. This remaining is required to bear fruit. It isn't a spiritual exercise of abiding that produces fruit. It is that God dwells in you. That produces fruit. Spiritual fruitfulness comes from the inhabitation of the living and active Christ. Our words and our motivations and our thoughts and our works that are of life come from Christ's unity with you. And producing fruit is us fulfilling our God-given design and purpose to image him, his character, and ways in this world. This is kind of this great full circle. Bearing fruit is evidence of active and divine restoration in your life that is bringing you back to who God created you to be before the fall. Verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Talk about verses that are pretty dangerous when taken out of context. Ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you presupposes that what was right before this must be true first. Because if you are bearing fruit, if you are fully dwelling with Christ, your request will be in line with God's heart and will. This isn't what originates with you. This isn't what you want or wish or expect God should be or do for you. The focus in this verse is not on your requests. The focus is on the fact that remaining with Jesus will shape you in your requests to be more in the line with the heart of God. Remaining in him should produce harmony with his will. Harmony with God's will and understanding of his heart doesn't just magically happen the second you pray a prayer for salvation or whatever you were taught. This is something that does develop as we grow. So the source is Jesus, the one who draws is the Father, the Holy Spirit does this work, and, but part of remaining in him does 
include this desire and this movement that we should have toward getting to know and love and understand him more. You are not going to be better acquainted with the heart of God just by having Christian stamped next to your name. Part of the process of sanctification means that if you are one who is secured with Jesus, if it's this this, um, branch vine connection, we make every effort then because of that connection to know and understand him and his ways. So we allow ourselves to be shaped by scripture. We allow ourselves to be shaped by his community, by his work, by his beauty, so that our reflex improves in requesting things that are reflective of his heart and will first and not ours in our sinful state. As you make every effort to know and love him more, your heart and will should become more in sync because it's becoming more familiar as you're saturating yourself in what is of him, what is of life. In this, in this, the nature of your request to God can actually become a form of fruit. Your posture in prayer becomes fruit. And this glorifies our Father. God is glorified through the bearing fruit of his children. It is what brings life. It is what is reflective of our created purpose. And it is what is best for us. How clever that our God has what glorifies him also be what is the most life-giving for us and our world. Ultimately, in this, I am the vine, you are the branches, we really should be finding both hope and a charge. I am the vine, you are the branches should really be giving us some hope where we keep messing up, where we keep sinning, where we keep failing. You cannot bear fruit that is reflective of God's heart and will on your own. And remember that he never demanded that you be able to do that on your own. In fact, he actually reminds us, you need me. I don't expect you to be able to do this on your own because you can't. So don't put that pressure on yourself because he does not. I am the vine, you are the branches, gives us hope where we are extra hard on ourselves, where we feel like we are not enough, where we feel like we are too much, for where we don't know our place in the greater movements of our time. He's got you. And he doesn't indwell you begrudgingly or with frustration. This connection here is his design, his idea, and he delights in us. So in that find hope in a way to rest your weary hearts and minds that come from your spinning wheels, your self-flagellation, your emotional toil in this way. He's the vine. We're the branches. We're never meant to be the source, so we need to stop functioning as if we are supposed to be. I am the vine, you are the branches, really does also spur us on. It reminds us that our purpose here is to produce fruit. This reminds us that our bodies in this space and time are created to do the life-giving work of God. Our words and our actions and our efforts today have divine purpose. Purpose that comes from the one who said, you're mine and I'm dwelling in you. It reminds us that we are here to mimic him, to demonstrate him, to embody him. 
What greater reminder of your purpose for why you are here right now at this time than to remember that Christ dwells in you? So find rest from the demands and pressures upon you to perform and produce of your own strength and volition, but also be vigilant in fulfilling God's good calling for you to actively produce fruit on his strength, which means bearing forth life. Remember always the source. Remember that our rest comes from him and our work comes from him. And his presence with us and in us is here to ease our minds from the pressure, the frenzy, the burdens. And his presence with us is also to empower, to energize, and to guide. Jesus is all of these things as he is in and with us. So we need to remain in him in this for our good, but also for his glory. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for more reassurances that you give us today that we are not here to do this alone, that you have not abandoned us even when things are challenging or heavy or difficult. But we thank you, Father, for this reminder that not only are you with us, but you are the one who is empowering us, giving us strength, guiding us. So I ask, Father, for us today that you would help us to find a space to rest in that hope. But also, Father, that that would be something that encourages us to continue to be vigilant and actively bringing restoration and redemption in this world as we represent and bear you. I thank you for your incredible kindness and goodness and faithfulness to us and that you have given us this unbreakable bond for those of us in Christ. We love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. For those of you who know, love, and belong to Jesus, I would invite you to join me, if you have the elements before you, um, for us to be able to take communion together today. This is a really good time for us to just pause together and to remember the power and the security that comes from us having the source, the vine. Jesus himself you know, purchased the ability to be so securely connected with us through his obedience to the Father in going to the cross and taking our sins upon himself and absorbing the punishment and judgment that should have come to us. Through his obedience, through his crushed body, the way has been made for us to have life and also to bear life, to bear fruit in this world. Only way that we have this life, the only way we have the ability to produce fruit is through the indwelling power of a risen savior. So this is a place where today we remember not just what he did at that moment of that sacrifice, but also remember what he has accomplished that helps us today. We bear fruit because of the body and the blood. You can only bear forth life because of this act, this death blow to sin, which has made way for us in this world to move towards redemption and restoration. So together in faith and hope, let's remember and take part. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, 
broken for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took up the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, poured out for the remission, for the forgiveness, for the cleansing of your sins. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Church, the body broken, the blood that was shed. Please hear this benediction from our Lord. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, to him be glory, both in the church and in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.